Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. An Erio's original. Before we get started, I just want to ask everyone out there to... Pause. Park your car. Stop doing the dishes. The, the the last piece of laundry can wait, okay? Grab your phone and go and give us a five-star review. Rate, review, subscribe. It's really important. Helps us keep this podcast going. And we're so grateful for all of our listeners and the great feedback that we've been getting. Here's a recent five-star review from our listener, Lola Doodler, Alarmist for the Win. It's alarming how much I love The Alarmist. The funny, witty style not only charms, but delights the listener. And a Google search of the best podcast led me to this little gem. And I've been an avid listener since. Well done. Well, thank you so much, Lola Doodler, for listening to us and spreading the word. And everyone out there, let us know what you think. We're so grateful. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith and I am The Alarmist. Hey, 
everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Alarmist, a comedy podcast where we discuss history's greatest tragedies and figure out who's to blame. In this week's episode, we'll be discussing the Bonnie and Clyde murder spree. Now, I, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, what a, 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 a beautiful love story. Isn't that right, guys? <laughs> I mean, it's a great Halloween couple's costume. It's been glorified in Hollywood. But I actually took this week to really learn about the couple. And I found out it's a lot darker than you guys might think. Luckily, our guest today is not an expert, but her mom is. So I I prepared by reading her book. And it's a wonderful book called Bonnie and Clyde, The Making of a Legend by Karen Blumenthal. And I feel uh, like it's time that we dig in and we talk Bonnie and Clyde. Let's get started. Bonnie Parker, born October 1st, 1910, and Clyde Barrow, born March 24th, 1909 or 1910, were an American criminal couple who traveled the central United States with their gang during the Great Depression. They were known for their bank robberies, although they preferred to rob small stores or rural gas stations. Their exploits captured the attention of the American press and its readership during what is occasionally referred to as the public enemy era between 1931 and 1934. They are believed to have killed at least nine police officers and four civilians. On May 23, 1934, police officers from Louisiana and Texas hid in the bushes along a dirt road near Gibbsland, Louisiana. Around nine in the morning, Bonnie and Clyde drove up in their tan Ford. They slowed down when they came across fellow gang member Henry Methvin's father, Ivy, who was standing beside his truck as if it was broken. It was a trap. Ivy ducked away and the officers opened fire. Bonnie and Clyde were killed instantly, ending one of the most colorful and spectacular manhunts the nation has seen up to that time. Fun facts, a.k.a. death stats. Bonnie was just under 5 feet tall and barely weighed 100 pounds, and Clyde stood not that tall at 5'6 and weighed around 130 pounds. The two were a fashionable and dapper pair. Clyde often wore a tie, and Bonnie a bolo shirt and a long skirt. Barrow was first arrested at the age of 17 in late 1926 after running when police confronted him over a rental car that he had failed to return on time. His second arrest was with his brother Buck, soon after for possession of stolen turkeys. In March 1930, just two months after meeting Bonnie, Clyde was sent to jail for burglaries and car theft. A week later, he and two inmates escaped. They spent a week on the loose, but were eventually caught. It's believed that the gun that was used in the jailbreak was smuggled in by Bonnie. Clyde committed his first murder while in jail at Eastham's camp. An inmate by the name of Ed Crowder had singled out Clyde, beat him, and sexually assaulted him. In October of 1931, Clyde and another inmate, Aubrey Scaly, lured Crowder into a bathroom, beat him with a pipe, and stabbed him. Since he was already serving 15 years, Scaly took the blame, but Clyde was the one who actually did the killing. Bonnie wrote poetry. Her poems, The Story of Bonnie and Clyde and The Story of Suicide Sal, were written in the middle of their crime spree while she and Clyde were on the run from the law. The Story of Bonnie and Clyde was the last one she wrote, and it's believed that Bonnie gave a copy of the poem to her mother just weeks before the couple was gunned down. 
And that's a little backstory on Bonnie and Clyde. Now, today we have a friend of mine who is uh, joining us to really get down to the bottom of who's to blame for this crazy spree. It's Jennifer Pam McCartney. Wow, my full full legal name. (laughs) Welcome, Jen. Thanks. Thanks for having Uh, me. I'm excited to be here. We're so excited to have you because you are so close to an expert. It's so true. My mom writes nonfiction books for young adults. I do not. I'm a comedy writer. And she wrote a book on Bonnie and Clyde. And and a great book, I must say. I really recommend it to all of our listeners if you want to, you know, get the full scope of Bonnie and Clyde. It's really written in a in a way that it's like a like a soap opera. Yeah, well, she's a journalist, so she writes very clearly. And technically, her books are for young adults, but I enjoy them as an adult because they're, (laughs) you know, a good length. The font is big. It is. And they have pictures. (laughs) Oh, sidebars. It's just a nice, you know, look her up, buy all her books. It's a a good time. It's really good. Can I just say that I love a good sidebar? Mm -hmm. There's nothing better than a good sidebar. You know, what I really like about the book, too, is she doesn't gloss over the people who were killed. Mm, She really takes the time to give you a little snippet of who these people are. Just because uh, in learning about this tragedy, it's interesting how glorified these two killers are. Yeah. Well, the fame of the time and then the movie obviously had a huge impact on that, too. You know, yes, like sexy Hollywood. I have not seen the movie. Have you seen the movie? I have not seen the movie either. Can we just say it's because we're extremely young? (laughs) I think it was in the 60s, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so haven't seen the movie, but you don't need to see the movie to know that they're legends. Of course. Let's, you know, get started with who we think is to blame for this spree. And we should clarify that for this tragedy, what we're figuring out is who's to blame for all of the murders. Right. Yeah, so the spree kind of happened from when uh, Clyde left jail in 1932. He had already killed his first, uh, what do you call him? Victim? Victim. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kill number one in jail. (laughs) In jail, which in all fairness, it, it really did feel like he was just getting by. Yeah, yeah. Well, should we talk about jail first? Let's talk about jail. So, I mean, I was thinking we could kind of give a, a little backstory first oh, on, sure. on who Clyde and Bonnie were. They are Dallas kids, just like me. <laughs> oh, that's the other reason. Yeah. That's your other very close connection. Wow, so close. Uh, you know, I too was a, a sexy lady in a long skirt whose photo went viral. <laughs> Did it, Jen? No. Okay. <laughs> but we are both from Dallas. You and Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. It's really, uh, really all we share. <laughs> now, the, Clyde, grew. they grew up in West Dallas. Can you tell us a little, a little bit about West Dallas? Yeah. I mean, I think it was different then, but I think that then their area was very impoverished, right? Yes. They grew up in pretty extreme poverty and it was the Depression and, you know, they didn't have a lot of options. Well, no, they did not. Now, Clyde was the fifth of seven children. His parents were cotton farmers, but didn't have much luck with the crop. So aside from tending their land, they worked on a month's end in other farms. So they were often away. And the entire family lived in this cramped three-room shack. But when Clyde was a teen, when he was very, very young, a young teen, he and his two younger siblings moved from rural Texas to Dallas 
And that's where they settled in West Dallas. And they actually lived under a bridge as squatters in this like squatting village. So Mm -hmm. Clyde got his first taste of petty thefts by uh, stealing metal so that he could resell it. So that's how he kind of got started stealing. And he was also a car thief. He was a big fan of the Ford. I believe they were the V8s, Ford V8s. Your mom has an entire section of her book. (laughs) On the oh, Ford yeah. V8. That's where my bookmark is. Oh my God. Family. I know, the Ford V8. So, it's like a tomato juice car. <laughs> what was crazy to me was that they cost like $800 or something. Yeah. And anyway, he he was an expert at kind of stealing those cars. And he preferred them because they went fast. They were kind of the first car that would go over 70 miles per hour or something like that. And that meant he could, you know, zoom, zoom, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, zoom, zoom in all the way. (laughs) Clyde went to jail, as we all know, and he developed this distrust for authority at a young age, even before he had gone to jail. The cops knew him and they'd always bring him down to the station and they beat him to try to confess things and then they drop him off. And it's like anytime something happened in Dallas, the cops would just show up to his workplace. Yeah, get old Clyde down here, you know? (laughs) It's like the kid in school where it's like the principals look at each other and they're like, oh boy, another Clyde (laughs) incident. Yeah, so he had a bad rep in West Dallas. Poor area. Um, Bonnie Parker, she was the middle child, middle of three. Her father died very suddenly when she was four years old and her mother moved the family to West Dallas to live with their grandparents in this very small farm. And at the age of 15, she fell in love with a classmate named Roy Thornton and they were married just days before her 16th birthday. This turned out to be a tumultuous relationship. He was a heavy drinker and he'd disappear for weeks. And in 1929, she left him and he was later arrested and convicted of burglary. So he wasn't a great guy. No. <laughs> he wasn't. But how scandalous for her to be like a separated, divorced lady. Yeah. You know? It was very scandalous. And she like was a waitress, like kind of pretty independent at mm-hmm. that time. The, the thing about her is that they never actually got divorced. So she never divorced Roy. And she continued wearing her wedding ring actually until she, was, until she died. She was found with the, the ring on her finger. So this is where they're coming from. It's it's the Great Depression. <laughs> they don't call it great. They, it's not like just the Depression. It's the Great Depression. We just been to war. Yes, right? yes. Uh, the World stock War market I. had crashed. Bad, bad, bad. Prohibition was. Oh yeah, just lifted, right? Prohibition. We can ask our uh, fact checker when Prohibition was. Uh, you know, this is very embarrassing because my mom also wrote a book on Prohibition. So. <laughs> The 20s and 30s are really like her specialty. I think you owe Karen uh, an apology. I know. I'm so sorry for everything. This is Maria, by the way, filling in for Amanda. Yes. We're so happy to have Maria today. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah. The period of prohibition was 1920 to December 5th, 1933. 33. Yeah. So it's at this point, it's 1929, right? Right. She just left Roy. Clyde's trying to get by. He, He keeps getting picked up by the cops. And then 1930 is in January of 1930 is when Bonnie and Clyde meet. And she apparently was at her brother's home in West Dallas and Clyde just came to visit. And the two fell in love. Wow. Wow. (laughs) A romance. He drove up in his fast stolen car. (laughs) 
Well, apparently he was a he was a well dressed guy. He was handsome, although every account everyone keeps talking about how skinny and small he was. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was like the thing then, you know? It was like, yeah, it was a great depression. There wasn't a lot of food going around. It was like, yeah, yeah. I guess if he was chubby, people would be like, what's up with him? Yeah, yeah. Why is he hoarding all the food? <laughs> and also, Bonnie wasn't a, a, a tall gal either. She was five feet, which is Actually, my height, although she weighed much less than I did. Wow, we both have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> but Bonnie was also a, a beautiful as well. And she was very, they were very young at this time. I mean, they when they died, I believe he was 23 and she was 24. No, no, he was older. He was a year older. So they died in May of 34 and she was born October of 10 1910 so she's 24 23 oh, no 23. she's she would have been 24 would have been 24 and then he was 24 wow so he was 24 they're they're meeting we're talking they're meeting in, in 1930 so she's 19 and he's 20 yeah although she did get married at 16 yeah which you know <laughs> our standards are a little different now <laughs> but it's just crazy. Like, I think of myself at 23 and 24, and I guess, like, it's like, if you had no, nothing to lose, I guess why not just, like, live on the edge? I mean, it looked like they were on a on a death, not a trap, but like a... Yeah, they had a death wish, kind yes, of, right? Like, yeah. they, I mean, they didn't have much social mobility probably even though i mean they are we should say like they are like white people yes <laughs> so like way worse for everyone else in this time but One. they were like impoverished white people and yeah. very very poor. they like weren't gonna like move up and the prison system was really bad really bad so let's talk about that prison system yeah i mean i think that is a good candidate for something to blame. I don't know how you feel. I feel very strongly about that, actually. Yeah. It's the first thing on my list. It's yeah. the first thing that popped up to me. So a little uh, backstory here. So Clyde went to prison. When he went, the Texas governor, his name is Dan Moody, said, quote, it, prison is not a fit place for human habitation. I have a dog, and I think a lot of that dog, but I'd kill him before I'd put him down there to stay. Wow. This is a quote from the governor. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and to admit that in 1930, I mean, I feel like people would, you know, now obviously prison's still bad. Yeah. Lots of problems. Yes. <laughs> but like, at least we like talk about it. I feel like in 1930, they were they... I'm surprised that he was so... Uh, open? Yeah, open and like conscious of it. That's true. I mean, it was clearly overcrowded. Yeah. It was clearly filthy. And um, they, the inmates were subject to um, 12 hours of back-breaking work and free, uh, frequent beatings by the officers. Yeah. We hadn't had Orange is the New Black yet to no. open our eyes, <laughs> teach us about private prisons. God's doing God's work over there. <laughs> But yeah, so Clyde was worn down to the point where he, of course, he was sexually abused by one of the inmates, and he was often beat by, you know, those who were bullying him and and the other officers. So it's not like that he trusted that anyone could take care of him. And he was so overworked that he actually cut two of his toes um, so that he could be sent to the hospital. 
and not have to, which was common back then. Wow. Wow. I mean, you know that's what that's desperate. like is um on Bachelor in Paradise when that guy faked being sick so that that girl would fall in love with him. Oh, now, my God. And now married. they're married. They're married with kids. Now, guys, side note. Jen is also a huge Bachelor fan of if there's a, a Bachelor tragedy that you guys that's that's well, one that should be done. Isn't it all a little bit of a tragedy? <laughs> Just the Bachelor Just the TV. franchise. Yeah, yeah. the franchise. <laughs> I, I guess it's it depends on the way you look at it, Jen. Yeah. So, yes. And, and this is Car. you're talking about Carly and uh, Evan. Evan. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A regular Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> so similar to that kind I guess thank you Jen <laughs> Clyde did at did this as well and just like a month later or something like that he was released on parole and pardon pardoned I'm sorry because his mom who we know was a huge supporter of her son Clyde to the end as I guess many moms are she like petitioned all the way to the governor for for people that had small, very small means, like at one point, I'm pretty sure that they lived under their wagon. The, sh- this this gal, this mom, Kumi, C U M I E. Yeah, probably. That sounds pretty Texas, yeah, honestly. Kumi? Uh, really? Kumi Barrow. Kumi <laughs> <Yeah>. Barrow. <laughs> kind of rolls off the tongue. <laughs> She uh she went above and beyond yeah. for for someone of like such little means. So Clyde gets out of prison. He essentially he hobbled for the rest of his life. Yeah. And the toes cuz the toes. Wow. Which to me it was Again, you are someone who really likes the sliding doors. Oh, um, I love sliding doors. <laughs> the he he was so frustrated because he felt like he wasn't going to get out of prison and that was his only choice. Now, little did he know that his mom was petitioning to get him out of jail and that the overcrowding was going to get him out on parole because the, the prisons were so overcrowded. So he the, the cutting of the toe came like in January and then like a week later he was oh, let out. Wow. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> he could have had all his toes. <laughs> So, like, not only did he have this terrible experience, but he also, like, mutilated himself. Yeah, and he was reminded of it every, every time he walked. Yeah, yeah. I feel comfortable saying that we should put the Texas prison system up on the board. Absolutely. I think that's a big one. Because yeah. also, he broke out, right, with Bonnie's help, and that's why they were on the run. That's right. So, w- when he first got to jail, he broke out, um, well, the fir- when he first got there he broke out she she brought a gun right and he broke out with um his friend ralph fultz ralph actually was part of the you know the barrow gang well they actually got caught and he went back to jail so that oh so yeah yeah but he was you know it started his life of the run on the run life on the run yes um his on the run tour if you will (laughs) he got a little taste yeah yeah (laughs) And also, it kind of strengthened their bond. Yeah, you could also argue that if, um, you know, the prison system wasn't so bad, he wouldn't have just, like, kept killing people instead of just, like, serving his time. You know, like, yeah, he could have just, like, been stealing from banks, sent to prison, released, reformed, right? But it's like, I'm not going back there. I have to, like, kill all these people rather than be there. That's a really good point. His desire to not go back was why he 
actually killed. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Prisons are still bad. <laughs> really bad in the 30s. <laughs> yeah. I, I would not have wanted to be in prison. Also, g- God, I don't know that much about prison, but did th- we don't work 12 hours on, on a field. No, they don't anymore. work 12 hours now, but they do work. Yeah, and like for pennies. Yeah, prisoners will like be like wildfire firefighters, which is like a, you know, good program for them to get experience, but like, you know, a lot of people are upset that they make less than minimum wage and right. all of those things. Which is wow, like, it's a huge issue. I feel so unqualified to I know. really talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, we won't like go there per yeah, se, sure. but we'll go there. We're lightly touching on there. <laughs> We know that it's bad. and <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, we have a, a, an inkling that it's really, really bad. So after he gets out, he has this like obsession with leading this East Ham prison break mm-hmm. because he feels like he wants to go back and like free all these prisoners. Sure. It's like a give back kind of thing, you know? <laughs> He's out. Yeah, he wants to give back to the prison community. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's like trying to raise money almost by stealing so that he can go back and do a prison break. It's kind of like a Robin Hood socialism situation. Yeah. You might say. And at this point, he's only killed Crowder, which is the inmate. So he, you know, it could have, it just like could have gone differently. Yeah. This was a pivotal moment, this prison time. And and the the time after he was so bitter, and I think his his friend, Fultz Ralph Fultz said that prison changed Clyde from a schoolboy to a rattlesnake. Clyde's foot would heal, but he would remain angry and distrustful. This is from uh, a quote from your um, mom's book. And without much of his two biggest left toes, he would always walk with a limp. Wow. So it it, it was just this like his bitterness that really stuck with him yeah so this this prison break he's he, he just becomes obsessed with it and yeah. he's stealing things eventually they do go back and help with another prison break but at the time in 1932 he does not he is unable to because he he gets caught this is something your mom would really know i know there's something something goes wrong like he's in the middle of planning this thing and he realizes he's got to go on the run because at yeah. this point he's he's pardoned right but he was stealing he was stealing so he would to get be by. getting in trouble for that Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have stress and anxiety we carry around as we go about our everyday life. At The Alarmist, we know it's always better to say it out loud and talk it through. Whenever I stress about the sinking of the Titanic, I don't sit with those thoughts in a dark room. I turn on the lights and dive right into it. Therapy is a great place to get things off your chest and work through what's really going on. Maybe you can't stop spiraling or catastrophizing. I started therapy over 10 years ago and never looked back. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Heck, we sometimes change our minds and rethink the verdict at The Alarmist. And that's also okay when it comes to therapists. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Alarmist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Alarmist. Okay, Jen, I think this is a really good time to give your mom a call. And kind of my question for her is when – what was it that made Clyde go from someone who had just gotten out of jail to then someone who went on the run? All right, I'm going to try her. Okay, great. This is fun. I know. She's <laughs> not going to answer. <laughs> we could try her again. She has an Android. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's relevant, but it feels like it is. <laughs> Oh, God, this could be. Oh, my God, guys. How will we ever get through this episode? (laughs) Karen's not taking our call. Okay, well, we'll put a pin on that. Yeah, we'll Um, come back to it. And while we wait for your mom to finally take your call, uh, we will (laughs) (laughs) talk about his brother, Buck. Mm. Now, what do you think, Jen? I think, well, I, I think that might answer your question a little bit, right? Because, like, weren't they all involved in, like, a murder together that then led them to have to continue running? Oh, well, Brother Buck is his older brother. He's the one that he gets caught with the turkeys. Right. And Buck takes the fall in that turkey incident and goes to jail for Clyde because Clyde was just a a young kid. Buck is 23. This happens in 1926. Buck's 23, Clyde's 17. They're arrested, truck full of stolen turkeys. They were intending to sell it for the holidays. It's right before Christmas. And 
Buck goes to jail for a week. There's a lot of in and out of jail. Going a lot on of in, in and that out. family. A lot of crime. The the cops are like a lot of distrust like, of authority. <laughs> yes, the cops are like those barrows. Yeah. I mean, what a bad rep they must have had. Oh my god! Can you imagine? No. I mean, I, what, there, I don't know if there's a similar. I don't know if we can compare it to a similar family. Yeah. Of crime at the moment, I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> The Kushners. <laughs> exactly. You're already on high alert. Wow. <laughs> and really, my comparisons are just getting worse. And worse. <laughs> so, okay. So, Buck, it's in 1933 when he joins the gang. So, Bonnie and Clyde are already on the loose. And they've already kind of... He murders people without Buck. His first murder after the inmate is John Busher. He is the owner of a combination filling station and jewelry store in Hillsboro, Texas, just south of Dallas. Mm -hmm. And Clyde and accomplice Frank Klaus rob him of $40, 2,500 in jewelry and his gun. And this is the owner where they like called out. I believe that they knew his son. And so that's why he like comes down and opens the door for them, which is really, really sad. And then they end up killing him because he doesn't just give over the money. Now, a lot of these killings, especially for the civilians, not the cops, mm-hmm. happened because people fought back. Right. And we can talk a little bit about that right now. Well, again, Great Depression, wealth inequality. I think that's a huge... Maybe a thing to blame. That is true. You know, people don't have many resources. They can't just, they're not like just a corporation that can willy-nilly give out some money and like still be okay. Like this is like a mom and pop. No, I know what you're saying. It's like the stakes were high. Yeah. For this guy. Yeah. And it's not like they had insurance back then where they could be like, I got robbed. Right. uh, You know. Oh, like you like have a security camera and like insurance and, you know, you just file a police report and you're okay. Like... Right, you know, forty dollars might have been. I think it was like a hundred. I mean, the equivalent of hundreds of dollars, of course. Yeah, back then. the The thing about it, though, is that the everyone that they that did not put up a, a fuss that they stole, like they they would like st- like get out of a car and like jump into another car and like point point a gun at someone and like take them hostage and then become friends with them and then eventually <laughs> like let them go so this happened a lot the only people who died were the people who fought back yeah it's probably how they justified it to themselves too maybe but what are these people doing like (laughs) did no one ever (laughs) tell them to like when you get mugged just give the money did you ever take a self-defense class because that's like the number one thing they tell you yeah they're like just give them whatever they want and (laughs) run away (laughs) i did take uh, yes uh, of course i've taken a self-defense class (laughs) oh yeah that's true that's true my high school required self-defense I mean, uh, honestly, every high school should require It really should. It, it was really useful. I actually think about it all the time, even though I don't think I can do anything they taught me anymore. Right. The the whole, the, the main thing is to like go with the, um, if they're pulling you, go with it and then go, go run away. Yeah. It's like go with the impulse and then take off because they won't see it coming. Right. They'll let loose. Right, right. When they like go into readjust, like yes. run away. It's yeah. like uh, my dog likes to try to take toys. This is another bad comparison. <laughs> my dog <laughs> likes to uh, take toys on walks, uh-huh. but it's very disruptive to our walking. Right. And so you have to like wait until 
she thinks you're like looking away and is like readjusting it in her mouth to like <laughs> grab it. <laughs> so yeah, so it's the same thing. It's, it's the same the concept. Same. Yeah. <laughs> but these people, like, what are you doing? Just let go. Give them the car. There was another guy. Um, his name was Doyle. Doyle Johnson, 27, killed on Christmas Day because Clyde and and WD, who was another member of the of the gang, tried to steal a car from outside of the the house, and he runs out to like stop them from stealing the car. It's like people just give them what they want. If there's anything you take away from this episode, <laughs> if you get mugged, give them your wallet or your car. Yeah. It's not worth it. I think it's also a big takeaway that we seem to be two very easy people to mug. <laughs> Despite our self-defense training. So we're like, ah, take whatever you want. <laughs> In fact, I'd give them more. I'd be like, you know what? Take the whole purse. Yeah, yeah. So, Rebecca, is it safe to say you want to put the victims on the board? <laughs> yeah. Blame the victim. Well, at, well, at think, least Doyle Johnson. No, no, no. I do think... Um, the Great Depression. Yes. Let's right? put that it's up on the board. It's a huge factor. It's huge. And poverty. That seems to go hand in hand. They but do. Like, you know, um, I, it, it might have been more worth giving your life for yes, what and, you had. And I want to put up on the board his brother, Buck, because yeah. as an older brother, he was a very bad influence on Clyde. And I'll tell you why I, I think we should put Buck on the board. When things got really, really, really bad... It's when Buck showed up into mm-hmm. the, showed up in in the picture. He gets out of jail in 1933, and Kumi, Kumi, is that how you would I say? Think it? So, man, she was just getting all these boys out of jail. <laughs> what a hard thing to do! I know she had seven kids too, and I'm pretty sure a lot of them went in and out of jail. Yeah, they, you know, they had a hard life, but also she, they gave her money too. So they would steal and give back to the family. So I really do think that Kumi didn't want her sons to be in jail. And I really do think that she uh, was scared that they were going to die. But also she was benefiting from their crimes. She might have been supporting it in ways we... Maybe. It's hard to tell. So Buck gets out of jail and, and he goes with Blanche, his third wife, to... Joplin, Missouri. So Joplin, Missouri is a big turning point in Bonnie and Clyde's time. This is where they rent this house and it's got a, a gra- two garages in the middle. And, and the photos, you can look them up online. They're, you know, they have photos of all of this. And Blanche is there. And they're also with W.D., this guy W.D., who was a member of the gang. He, his name is W.D. Jones. And W.D. Jones, like, grew up, the, the, their families were friends in West Dallas, and it's a five crew, five-person crew. Now, Buck and Blanche are there to visit, and they, they're supposedly attempting to persuade Clyde to surrender to law enforcement. So, Kumi's like, don't go, Buck, don't go, and Buck's like, I gotta go try and get Clyde back, right? Which is like, you could say... Not really his intention, but it's that would be speculation. So the group is running these loud alcohol fueled card games late into the night in this very quiet neighborhood. And Blanche recalls here it says uh, Blanche recalled that they bought a case of beer a day 
And this is 1933, which is maybe the end, uh, toward nearing the end of Prohibition. It, it's, it's all hours. They're having these parties and everyone's suspicious, right? The Joplin police start getting word that something's up in this area. And so they they do this raid. And this is where they kill these two officers, John Wesley Harriman. He was shot in the in the during the raid and Harry McGinnis. And they had already killed a, a county deputy sheriff during an ambush. But this is when like, yeah, it, it gets real. Now we're now we're just killing. Yeah, now know? now we're killing cops. Yeah, and I, I I have to think that that has something to do with Buck. Yeah, he's a bad influence. He's a bad influence, and they they managed to escape that. Although I'm pretty sure that some of them got shot, so they have to tend to wounds and have to rest. So they're no longer healthy, minus cut toes. Yeah. Uh, can I ask you then? Yes. Because this isn't something I thought of before, but, you know, Prohibition is coming to an end. They're drinking a lot. They're getting kind of wild. Can we blame Prohibition for, you know, it's the theory that when you ban something, it becomes more like uh, enjoyable. Yeah. And you can be a little more reckless. You know, it can lead to more like recklessness. That they yeah. were only like maybe part of why they were drinking so much and buying so much beer and being so reckless was that prohibition had outlawed these things and now it was over. Or yeah. coming to an end. I, I think we can. I, Clyde was not known to drink that much, apparently. But Bonnie was a big drinker and I'm pretty sure the rest of them were big drinkers. Probably because they were stressed I mean, they, they were, were on the run. <laughs> <laughs> they had long work weeks. <laughs> just needed to like crack open a beer at the end of the night. <laughs> Can you blame them? Their Calm app wasn't working. <laughs> so yeah, I, I feel good putting prohibition. I mean, I think that that is part of of the the the, the societal factors that were contributing yeah. to this killing spree because prohibition also i mean it was in a very different area right but it also led to like all these gangs and all this gang violence yeah which maybe was like glamorizing this gang lifestyle for them yes Uh, there were these like gangster it it became like you know sexy yeah it's like being a tech bro right now It was yeah, like the time of sexy. everyone to be a gangster. <laughs> a tech bro. Invent an app. <laughs> it's like going on Shark Tank right now. <laughs> Invent an app. <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to think of what it would be like now. I love these comparisons. <laughs> these <laughs> Yeah. They're only gonna get worse. Yeah, right, Zuckerberg is He's like the Jesse James yeah. <laughs> of the time. Well, you see one guy is like on the run. You think I can do that. I yeah. Can. <laughs> yeah, I can do that, too. I, I mean, I think this idyllic, what would you call it? It's like an idyllic, idyllic idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of what that would be like. Well, I don't know if this is the time to talk about it, but one of the things... I was thinking about uh-huh. of something to blame is the kind of the fame aspect of it all. Yes. Which is part of the gangster thing, but it's, you know, the photo where like Bonnie looked like so sexy yeah. and it kind of went like what we consider to be viral today and, you know, people were following her. I guess people didn't read the poem until later, but it's still like, you know, it made them, it Ex- built them into something. It sexified them. Yeah. Well, 
Oh, that's why Joplin is such a turning point in my in my mind. You just made me re- remember mm-hmm. that. That's where Blanche Buck's wife left a camera. Oh, um, they they packed things up so quickly, and she left behind her camera. And in the camera were those photos that you're talking about. Yeah, and they had just been like kind of playing. And the the the, the big thing about this photo, which is the most famous iconic photo of. Bonnie, right, where, where she's got her leg up and she's mm-hmm. holding a revolver and she's got a cigar in her mouth, is that she didn't smoke cigars. She was a big cigarette smoker, but she didn't smoke cigars. And she was very upset that the media was portraying her as a cigar smoker. <laughs> After the photo went viral. She's After upset. the photo went viral. Yeah, she like wrote letters. Like they never ever really contacted anyone except for like when it you know the the rumor picked up that she was a cigar smoker it was her version of like a notes app apology (laughs) what today you know how like people they post something on their instagram and then they have to apologize and they all write an apology in the notes app and oh yes yes a notes app apology notes app apology she was like i don't smoke cigars i did kill those people but i don't smoke cigars yeah you know (laughs) i think look i think that that's a really good point i think that the fa- the aspect of like fame and celebrity mm-hmm. um cuz it's so funny to me and i know this is something uh if my mom ever calls me back <laughs> we could talk to her about cuz i know it was a uh, story of my life um something that uh she was really interested in when she wrote this mm-hmm. was that like it's this idea that like we've always kind of as americans or maybe just as people been like obsessed with fame and these like nobody celebrities you know and obviously now it's like tiktok stars and like instagram celebrities but like then it still existed in the 30s yes and i think it's actually very connected to the great depression Mm -hmm. which is i i read in this washington post article it says okay so bonnie and clyde exploits took place during the great depression when people were beleaguered 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 i don't know it's not an episode if i don't say multiple (laughs) if i don't mispronounce multiple words okay newspapers themselves trying to survive figured out that readers were tired of stories about the miserable economy according to uh jeff Gwyn, the author of go down together he said that readers wanted diversion sports heroes movie stars and gangsters yeah so the media is just kind of like giving them giving the people what they want right totally i mean that's what happens nowadays too all the time yeah so i think we should put up what would you say like the faint desire for yeah obsession with fame or like fascination fascination with celebrity or the culture yeah culture of celebrity can i ask a question yeah so if what what year was that picture taken the, those famous pictures like when did the when the joplin when did the joplin uh missouri when, when did the happen? media take note that these were they that bonnie and clyde were okay we can get 1933 1933 and how many murders had they done prior to that okay so they had already killed malcolm davis who was a sheriff don joyle who's the guy who ran for his car during christmas howard hall who was the butcher eugene moore okay this is the uh, county sheriff who shot? Who was shot in an outdoor dance because he kind of like surprised them. And this is all prior to the picture. This is prior to the picture. John Butcher also, he was the guy at the jewelry store. 
And we should count Ed Crowder, who was in, in the jail. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. The, I'm just going to put this out there and I, for sure seven, put it on the board. Yeah. But when it comes to who's to blame for the murders, I wonder if it's not so much the media, but the media, if, if you're asking, like, who's to blame for it becoming glamorized, I'd say the media. Mm-hmm. But if it came down to who's to blame, uh, you know, for the actual murders, I don't I don't think and it's just me from right. the outside go, saying I don't think it propelled them. It may have. It may have gotten them excited, but if they had murdered that many people. Right. But I'll put it on the board, but we well, can. I think we should say that, but at the same time, they knew that they were like there were these detective novels that came out, like magazines that came out monthly, and they were constantly on them. Mm-hmm. And they, they did follow follow those detective novels because when they would leave behind cars like in a rush they always had a detective magazine so maybe we should say not so much media as like their desire for fame desire for fame i love it because you know the media obviously is a part of that you couldn't have one without the other but it's more like it's that kind of like gangster lifestyle we were talking about yes it's like you know why the kardashians like wanted to become the kardashians yeah and and they're so close to going on a murder spree i mean we don't know (laughs) we don't know we don't know we don't know so i i feel good about the stuff we have on the board right now there's two more things that i i want to talk about and then if you have any others i really want to talk about those but just for our listeners jen why don't you tell tell them what we have on the board all right here's what we have so far we have the texas prison system the Great Depression, Clyde's brother Buck, Prohibition, parentheses, sexy gangster, <laughs> and desire for fame. Okay. Now, I'm going to throw something at you that I don't even know how to pronounce. Oh, boy. Okay. It's called hybristophilia. Oh. Have you heard of this? No. It may be a stretch. It just may be. But according to Women's Health... hybristophilia is one of the countless paraphilias or abnormal and or extreme sexual desires basically it's a sexual attraction to someone who's committed some sort of outrageous and extraordinary crime this says jeffrey ian ross phd a doctor a doctor (laughs) criminologist oh he's a criminologist (laughs) and a professor at university yes (laughs) and a professor my goodness okay so think like mass murders sexual murders and cult leaders it's basically like the bad boy phenomenon yeah well colloquial colloquially is that how you say it colloquially colloquially um it's also known as the bonnie and clyde syndrome oh my god though it's okay, so you can't really find anywhere uh, any research that says that it that it's what actually went on between them, but it is known as the Bonnie and Clyde syndrome. So it explains why women who write to men in prison, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Per FBI's telling, Clyde was arrested a few days after they met, but Bonnie helped him escape by smuggling a gun into the Waco jail. She barely knows the guy, has already been married to another guy who was in jail. Now she wants to help Clyde get out of jail. Okay, so she's attracted. It's like a bad boy complex. Mm -hmm. Women's Health again says women who pursue these relationships may also be interested in getting attention from family and friends and the media media themselves. So this is just like the um, just bad guy. 
Yeah. Well, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Where like he has to continue to be a bad guy to earn this affection. Right. To oh. Maria's point about like what's actually causing the murders. Right. You know? Oh, God. He's it's a vicious impress cycle. Her. Yeah. Oh, no. Wow. <laughs> I mean... I, I guess it's more of a disorder, right? Yeah. Than than a personal like like her thing. Her well, it's a little bit her, just maybe her preference. Her maybe preference. I mean, I'm sure like a therapist would probably tell her like it was rooted in something. Uh yeah, like right? her maybe her dad died. Right, well her dad died young. Yeah. She didn't have a lot of strong uh Male, male role models in her yeah. life. Do you want me to put daddy issues up on <laughs> Bonnie's Bonnie's daddy issues? Bonnie's daddy issues. Oh my god. Maybe. I mean, it's hard to say. <sighs> but there's something there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is speculation, but you know, we can put it up on the board. Yeah. Bonnie, there's something there because it happened when she was very, very young. She was very close to her mom. And they always came back, like, even though they were on the run and it was very dangerous for them to go back to Dallas, they still came back. Yeah. He, like... Family he and gender roles, you know? Family and gender roles. Like, very attached to the family, but also have to maintain these gender roles where, like, Clyde starts to provide for his mom and, you know? I mean, yeah. It's kind of like it is a stretch because we don't... We weren't there. Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but... I'll tell you what, according to Karen's book, there are a lot of photos of Clyde with his family. He came back very often. Well, family is everything. <laughs> wow, Jen. Isn't that the Fast and the Furious if only, movies? Oh, oh, if only your my, mom would call. My mom oh, yeah! Call me. Should I answer? <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Hi, Karen. This is Rebecca, um, the host of uh, the Alarmist podcast. I... I read your uh, book, and we're doing Bonnie and Clyde this week, and it's um, been a, a, a really great resource for us. Okay. We just wanted to know, like, from your perspective, what your opinion, if, if you knew of anything that happened after Clyde came out of jail that triggered him to kind of go on this crime spree. Well, first, you know, first of all, jail made him pretty, uh, pretty unpleasant to start with, made him, you know, angry and bitter. Um, but then when he got out of jail, he did try to go to work and he kept, he kept getting arrested again. Was this because the, he just had a bad reputation amongst the cops? Yeah, he had a record. Oh. He had a record. If he was poor, you know, he lived in the bad part of town. Um, so if, if something happened, who do they go after? They go after the ex-con. Right. So that's what they did. Now, in your opinion, do you think that if, if they had just kind of like let him be, do you think that he would have straightened up a bit? So that's a great question. It's, it's hard to say for sure, but uh, his family believes he would have. His family believes that if he'd been given the opportunity to, to go straight, he would have he would have stayed, you know, out of trouble. Oh, that's really interesting. But, but, uh, but whether he actually would have, given his background and given the poverty of the time, um, that's harder to say. Right. Right. It, it Maybe there could have been another um, outside factor that would have contributed later on to him going back to, you know, robbing. You know, who right. knows? We'll never know, right. I guess. Well, well a desire for a better lifestyle or, um, you know, a frustration with the inability to kind of 
uh, achieve the American dream, so to speak, without education and without other resources. So um, it's hard to say because his family was still poor. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think he helps. You know, I think he was helping support his family and probably some of his neighbors. <laughs> oh yeah, that's maybe right. Even, maybe even some of the police. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you so much, Karen, for letting us pick your brain about that. Um, and thank you sure. for writing this wonderful book. We're huge fans. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> We're plugging all of your books. Yeah. We got Prohibition. <laughs> we know there's one on that. Oh, well, here's a question for you since you wrote about both topics. Do you think Prohibition had anything to do? What would you say is the connection between Prohibition and the Bonnie and Clyde murders? So, pro, you know, Prohibition was a time of uh, both of them contributed to distrust in government. Right, so this happens during the depression, and people are angry at banks and they're angry at government because because things are bad. But they also can't drink, and um, they're angry about that too. I mean, that was really uh, you know people who were arrested weren't the wealthy. The people who were arrested were the the, the poor guys who um, really couldn't afford the good stuff, who were buying bootleg liquor or running bootleg liquor. Those are the ones who were filling the jails um, during prohibition. So I think they they did combine um, to make people angrier. And I think that's part of how Clyde got away with a lot of stuff for a long time because, uh, you know, people tended to side with him. Oh. Yeah, because people, yeah. People yeah. didn't trust the yeah. government. People didn't, okay. This right. is... They didn't, trust, they didn't trust the police. Um, the police might arrest them for, you know, moonshine, for heaven's sake. They didn't trust government. They didn't trust banks. So all these things that represented the establishment were not trusting. Yeah. Thank you so much, Karen. And uh, it's been, uh, you've kind of like opened up a whole can of worms here. (laughs) (laughs) A new kind of history, right? Yeah. (laughs) I'll talk to you later. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm so glad she called because I I feel like she had, she said three things like that. I I feel like now I want to blame. First of all, uh, distrust the, 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 the distrust f- for government. The distrust of government. Yeah. Of government, yeah. Also, she said something uh, about how prohibition had crowded the jails. Right. Which yeah. Which seems to really so connect that, to that, our prison system. That's right. And it, and it kind of like backs up the prohibition up on the board. Yeah. The other thing I want to put up, well, two other things. American, the, the desire, this idea of American dream, it keeps popping up yeah. like uh, in a few other of our tragedies. Yeah. It's this concept that like you need to that you can do it right not only is it desirable right but since you are here you can now do it and Mm -hmm. if you don't then you're you're a disappointment yeah yeah well there's an expectation that you need to provide right and that like in some way if you follow the rules you'll get ahead but that's obviously for most people yeah doesn't work out. Doesn't work and out. And then you turn, you know, then you have distress for the system and you turn perhaps to a life of crime. Yeah. It's not that far-fetched. And then the last thing I want to put up there is terrible policing. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and just the fact that um, your mom thinks that it's possible that they were being paid off. Yeah. Like, that is pretty bad. I mean, the whole concept of, like, a record is obviously a huge issue today with our prison system and a huge reason for recidivism. Is that the right word? I don't know. What is that? um, That's when, you know, you go to jail, you get out, and you're, like, still pretty likely to go back to jail. 
Oh, yeah. Because of all of these reasons, you know, because it's hard to get a job. It's hard to support yourself, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, shout out to Homeboy Bakeries. Which that's is such right. A cool, uh, <laughs> that's a, a cool local, business. <laughs> yeah. Local business that employs ex, ex- yeah, cons. Yeah. yeah. And they make really good tortilla chips. Oh, yeah. And breads. And breads. Great yeah. Breads. Yeah. Great breads. I'm just going to throw this out there really quickly. Yeah. What about just Bonnie and Clyde themselves and who they were as people? Yeah. 100% important. (laughs) Bonnie, and do we want to put them separately or do we want to put them as a pair? Because would they exist separately? I I think Clyde would still do crime. Would still do crime. Without Bonnie. So let's put them up separately. But yeah, I don't know if Bonnie would still do crime without Clyde. But it seems the the person, her first husband was a criminal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Clyde was a criminal. Yes. It seems like she would have it's a it's a cycle with her. That's that that she would have found crime. It's not that she would have it's that she enjoyed being around it. Yeah. And maybe she fed it and fed on it. Yeah, I mean, if she had so much power over Clyde, she could have, you know, encouraged him yeah. to stop, right? Yeah, and I mean, uh society obviously had a part to play but i think the most obvious thing to blame is them and yeah their actions let's put them together then yeah because i while i do agree that clyde would have ex- still done crime maybe it wouldn't been as bad yeah if it what if they weren't together well and if it, there hadn't been the fame aspect of them as like a sexy couple, yeah you yeah know? and it should be said that they were an actual couple yeah. They were very much in love, although I did read in the book that he he did hit her. Like he wasn't Yeah, I don't think it, it was like so, a great time. No, no, love. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Our love stories were like pretty dark. Yeah. Like I don't know if they included that in the Warren Beatty. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe <laughs> it just it's yeah, it seems like as a as that they fed off of each other. That yeah. if it wasn't because he did kill someone before he met her, correct? Um, or yeah, and no, he had already met her. Okay, every time he killed because the first time he killed someone was in jail. It, but the, he, so he hadn't met her. He had met her because if you recall, she helped get him out of jail first, like that first week. Got it. But then he went back to jail and probably got like a harsher sentence. Yeah, it was like. You know, would the Beatles have been the Beatles if all four of those guys hasn't hadn't met each other? Yeah. Good. I mean hard to say. No. No, they wouldn't. No. <laughs> I think, I think I, I'm pretty sure no. Because <laughs> I don't think they would have. Because the guy who got replaced by Ringo, it's not like he started a band and be and Pete, had it Pete hot. Pete Best. Pete Best did not have the best luck. No, he didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. So so I think that proves that theory <laughs> so okay i think it's starting we start crossing things off the list okay yeah we've got a pretty full board here okay and jen since you have a better view of the board can you tell us who's on the board we have bonnie and clyde themselves yes personal responsibility mm-hmm. texas prison system the great depression clyde's brother buck prohibition parentheses sexy sexy gangsters <laughs> desire for fame Bonnie's daddy issues, distrust of government, and terrible policing. Wow. How are we going to cross one thing off? I mean, it's hard because everything intersects with each other. Yes. You know, everything is very like, like the Great Depression, Prohibition, 
it's all like very much tied distrust of government very tied together and even like the ease the easiest one for me right would probably be taking buck off the list sure but I mean, he was. They were together when he first did. You know, got caught. Here is my argument against about taking Buck off. Okay, tell me what you think. I think that any like the more thematic issues on the board, besides Bonnie and Clyde, are all true for Buck too. You know, like the the prison system. He right. was in prison too. Like the distress of government. Like the Great Depression. He also grew up in poverty yeah. under that bridge. <laughs> That's true. You know. And so any under the wagon too. Under the wagon. Gosh, they were the exception. I mean, they were the exception, not the rule. Bonnie and Clyde, like they were. M- many people lived the way they did in the time they did under the the laws that they did, and they didn't do what Bonnie and Clyde did. That's true. true. Also, I mean, that's a really good point. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I I buy that. I let's take Buck off the list. I think we can take Buck off. Just I think to we could start. probably take Bonnie's daddy issues because I think maybe that gave her a little more uh, skip in her step. But I don't know that it, it really could, caused the murders. N- right. It maybe caused her to get married at a young age. Yeah, and she was a very intelligent person. Um, at she was a, a a very good writer. What that was one of the main takeaways from the book. Mm-hmm. Was that, what what could she was a very good writer, a poet, I guess. Yeah. So she could have really done something with her life. <laughs> but again, there are a lot of people with daddy issues out there. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So I think it's safe to. It I, probably, I feel good it about. It might have caused her to be into Clyde. Yeah. But not necessarily for them to kill. Into crime. Into crime. You know? yeah. <laughs> Okay. She could have just like had a crime podcast. That would have been, you know? I, I mean, she lost an opportunity <laughs> or written a crime novel, like a, a, a sexy crime novel. I, God, I wish you could do a crime podcast on Urios. <laughs> that would be, people would listen to that. <laughs> Call her up. I know. People would like that. <laughs> so, okay. So now we've got Bonnie and Clyde, Texas prison system, Great Depression, Prohibition, Desire for Fame, Distrust of Government, Terrible Policing. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I think terrible policing and distrust of government are the same thing. Okay. So maybe we combine them. We combine them. So maybe I'll take away terrible policing and just know that it's because of it's everything in yeah. the government. It's the way yeah. they conducted themselves. Okay. I, I like that. So we're taking off terrible policing because it's actually going into distrust of government. I think we can take off. I do think it was a huge factor and I know I brought it up, but I think desire for fame, it was it really contributed to it, but I don't think it was the cause right. of everything. Okay. Because again, people, a lot of people desire fame, you know. Yeah. I think it it was a more of a side factor. Right. Um, it is a, I, I think it was a side, and I think it was a strong side factor, mm-hmm. but I don't think he went into it um, for for the fame. I think he went into it because he needed the money. Right. And he distrusted the government. Yeah. So then is it fair to say that the prohibition kind of, you know, that glorifying of the sexy gangster, we'd take that off too because he wasn't going in it for that either? Although prohibition really caused the, dist- according to Karen Blumenthal, prohibition really caused the distrust for government. Yeah. So it's almost like we like prohibition is 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 more or or the 
pro uh, distrust of government because of prohibition. Right. So well, and the prison system. And the prison system. Prohibition caused overcrowding in the prison system. And his experience in the prison system caused his distrust of government. Right. So it's like that. That's like a circle. I think the Texas prison system is under underlining, like underlying. Yeah. Uh, prohibition and distrust of government to me, because it's like for him personally, like a lot of people, as you were saying, Rhea, grew up in the Great Depression, didn't go on a murder True. spree. But a lot of people weren't in the horrible prison system. Right. And it does seem like a lot of people who were, were then murdering. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there so... There seems to be like a pretty strong link there. <laughs> I, I feel good about the amount of time that the Great Depression and Prohibition have been up on the board. And mm-hmm. I think we can, we're ready to take them off the list. Yeah, I think we know in our hearts that That's, they I, contributed. Yes, and I, and I think we've made that very clear. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're giving both of those a slap on the wrist. Yes. Community service. Now... We've got Bonnie and Clyde, Texas prison system, and distrust of government left. Oh, this is hard. The Texas prison system gave him personally the distrust of government. Yeah. So we can cross off distrust of government. Yeah. Because there was a greater distrust of government, but it wasn't necessarily what made him murder. Right. It was was personal to him. It was very personal to him. Uh, I wish Karen was on the horn, but there was a change in... Uh, <laughs> on the horn, it's very 30s. <laughs> really, like, in the mood. There was a change in, uh, I think it's the, the, you know, the person who runs the prison systems in the, in 33. And they, it was, I think it was 33, yeah. And they were, like, dead set on getting Bonnie. And, and in all fairness, he didn't want, he, he felt like he could kill the only times he killed was when he felt pushback from cops because he felt like he could have been caught and he vowed to never go back to prison. And that's why he actually killed because otherwise he took ho- for hostage a-, a lot of cops as well. He he took them and 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 eventually let them go and he didn't kill them. It was just like this fear. It's like it, it's almost like it's his fear of going back to prison was really what caused him to kill. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a new thing we're putting on the board? It's, it's a new fear. thing, yeah, that I feel very strongly about. Wow. I feel like it's it's encapsulated for me in the prison system. It was yeah. so bad that he wouldn't go back. But it is also, again, the prison system is part of the government. Right. You know? His fear, what caused this these m- murder sprees, Right was his fear of getting caught and going back to prison. Why did he even do all that stuff? Because the the simple way to not go back to prison is to not go on crime sprees. Well, he couldn't get a job, right? And they kept, you know, they kept picking him up at his job. And that's why he got fired, because the police would show up to take him away for like a few days. And it's like, who wants, it's the Great Depression. So many people need jobs. Who wants to employ someone who's a liability and doesn't show up? Yeah. I, I, in my mind, I'm, I'm kind of settled. Okay. And I, I want to know what you think. I think that who's to blame is. Should we say it on three? (laughs) One, two, three. Prison. Texas prison system. Okay, yeah, also, I'm sorry. I messed yeah. that up. Okay. <laughs> Should we do it again? Ready? One, One two, two, three. Texas, Texas prison, prison system. system. Okay. Wow. It's settled. 
It's settled. Texas prison system, you are going to the alarmist jail. What a turn this took. Really, you know, we went on a journey. We came right back to our first instinct. (laughs) We did. And uh, but but that makes me feel good about. Look, Bonnie and Clyde, definitely, they did the killing. We all know that. But as you all know, listeners, we don't always blame who actually did it. (laughs) Blame uh, what motivated the motivation. Exactly. You know? Um, So I feel good about that. Yeah, I do too. Well, thank you so much for being on our show, Jen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jennifer Pam. uh, I'm sure, you know, you're going to be a fan favorite. And so is Karen. so. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you to my mom, Karen. <laughs> what is uh, your mom's books called? So we can, uh, they could go uh, pick it up. So this book is called Bonnie and Clyde, The Making of a Legend. But you can look her up. Her name is Karen Blumenthal. She's written about uh, Steve Jobs and Hillary Clinton and uh, Prohibition. Bootleg. She has a new book coming out in the spring about Roe v. Wade. Amazing. Very exciting. I can't wait to read it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read all of her books now. KarenBlumenthal.com. Yeah. That's a good way of, you know, stay in touch. After the killing spree of Bonnie and Clyde. In the last stanza of the story of Bonnie and Clyde, Bonnie writes, Someday they'll go down together. They'll bury them side by side. To few, it'll be grief. To the law, a relief. But it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. But in fact, Bonnie and Clyde were buried separately. Although linked in life, Bonnie and Clyde were split in death. While the pair wished to be buried side by side, Bonnie's mother, who had disapproved of her relationship with Clyde, had her daughter buried in a separate Dallas cemetery. Clyde was buried next to his brother Buck, underneath a gravestone with his hand-picked epitaph, Gone but not forgotten. In the end, Bonnie and Clyde died as they lived, in a hail of bullets. Their murderous days were over, but their legend, often rooted more in fiction than in fact, would only grow in years to come. There have been many songs, movies, and TV shows about the pair, and our guess is there will be more. Vote for who you think is to blame by going on thealarmistpodcast.com and write in and let us know all of your thoughts at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at thealarmistpodcast and Twitter at alarmistthe. Tune in next week as we'll be talking about the preppy murder. Thank you so much. Erios. Powered by ACAST. 